Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, cosmic dust may be closer than you think. In fact, it might be on top of the building you're sitting in right now. That's what my next guest is hoping anyway. Uh, Dr. Penelope Bajnakevich is a senior lecturer in space science at the University of Kent. She joins me now to explain. Welcome to the programme, uh, Penelope. Uh, maybe you might start off by talking a little bit about your area of research. What are you looking at and why? Oh, so uh, my research in general um, throughout my career has been focused on cosmic dust. So um, this is just from space. Um, and my research has been focused on either dust from asteroids or from comets, largely. Um, I'd love it if I could find some dust that's got all here all the way from Mars, but no, not yet. <laughs> so when you say dust, what exactly do you mean? Um, so I mean, um, so this is dust that we find on the surface of the Earth, and it's anything from uh, typically around 10 microns up to about a millimetre in size. Okay. And and so it, it, it's just bits of space rock that's kind of crumbled on re-entry. Like, how does this space dust arrive here? Right. So, so this is an interesting one. It's called nomenclature. So essentially cosmic dust or micrometeorites is the official term for these particles from space that have made it through the atmosphere and arrived at the Earth's surface. And an important kind of characteristic of these is for them to be official micrometeorites or official cosmic dust, they had to have started off as dust-sized particles before they entered into I the atmosphere. I see. Well. Okay. Yeah, otherwise, they have other strange terms like ablation spherules, or um, yeah, I think that's the main one where they've actually come off a larger object as it's come through the atmosphere. I see. How on earth does dust make it through our atmosphere when spacecraft that aren't very well designed uh, can burn up? So it's it's all to do with their size. So they're also travelling at really high speeds, just like spacecraft are when they're coming in through the atmosphere. But with the dust particles, they're really small, and it means that they get stopped higher up in the atmosphere, where there's much less um, air particles there to actually slow them down. So it effectively means they, they still heat up, um, but some of these particles, if they're coming in at just the right angle and they've got just the right speed, they might not quite vaporise completely. They might melt. Or some of them, if they're just in the right trajectory, they can make it through to the Earth's surface practically intact, just as they were before they entered the atmosphere. I don't know if this is your area, but um, when I imagine things hitting the the Earth, I imagine that it's a straight line coming from wherever they were coming from. But presumably there's some sort of an arc as it, um, as it drops off. Or, or, or is it just a straight line? And um, you're saying that it depends on the angle that it yeah. comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And how their incidence on the curvature of the Earth as well. Right. So they won't, um, I think, <laughs> that, so this is sort of in my area. So forgive me if I'm a little <laughs> bit wrong. But um, so I think uh, typically when you talk about one object hitting another in space, there's been various bits of modelling that have been, well, I say various, a lot of modelling to try and characterise impacts in space. And when they do, they find out that the the average impact angle for things to hit one another at is not, is not like perpendicular. It's not 90 degrees to the surface mm. of one. It's, it's at 45 degrees. So they do kind of come in at a funny, at a, at an angle, intermediate angle. So not, not dead on. No. Right. Why should we care about cosmic dust? What, what is it and what, what can it tell us about the universe? Because it's awesome. 
Um, so, so cosmic dust, it comes from largely the stuff that we find on the Earth's surface comes from asteroids. So these are the small um, solar system bodies. Uh, they typically found in orbits around the sun, somewhere between the orbit of Mars and the orbit of Jupiter. So you find some others that are outside of that main belt. Um, and these objects um, some of them have remained very pristine, very uh, unchanged since they first formed in those early stages of our solar system. Other ones have actually started down the kind of planet route. They've gotten big enough so that they form a body that completely melts. And then you have separation of the heavier and the lighter constituents. So you get like this core mantle and, uh, and crust kind of formation, just like our own Earth has. So you have this whole range of objects that have undergone different evolutionary paths. So getting samples from different asteroids, from lots of different asteroids, can basically tell you about the inventory of materials that's in our solar system, tell you more about the asteroids and what state they're in. We do get larger pieces from these objects as well. So these are meteorites. So these are the bigger rock sized path objects that we get. And you can do the same types of analyses on that. You know, they're, they're much bigger, so you can tend to do a lot more with those samples. But what's cool about micrometeorites is that for every one meteorite, so one larger object, one rock sized object, you have hundreds and thousands of smaller micrometeorites. So you're probably sampling far more different bodies through micrometeorites than we are in our meteorite collections. Are you saying it's raining in space? <laughs> raining dust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so it's effectively, it's raining dust on Earth. So, um, so the the figure we normally we tend to quote um, when we talk about the amount of of cosmic dust that's arriving at the Earth. So this is at the top of the atmosphere. Yeah. So this is around twenty to forty thousand tons of dust every year over wow. the Earth of this extraterrestrial dust arriving at the top of the Earth's atmosphere every wow. year. And we get that figure by looking at spacecraft surfaces, so satellites, things that are um, in orbit, and they get hit over time by these little dust particles. So we can analyze those surfaces and then work out how many have hit it over a certain amount of time. And that gives us this estimate for how much is arriving at the Earth. But some oh. of that is is uh, uh, vaporized or melted during atmospheric entry. So not all of it reaches the surface, but about 10% of it, we think, does. So that's a lot of material. How come we don't see this stuff all around us? Is it because it looks like regular dust? That's exactly it. Yeah. So so much of it does look um, like regular dust or until you get it under a microscope. So once you get it under a microscope, you can see that uh, much of the material that actually that, uh, melts on its entry into the atmosphere, it forms these beautiful spheres. So if you look at some dust samples, for example, from a rooftop like the cathedral, we'll see that the dust that's there, some of them are, are spherical in shape. Now, some of those cosmic, sorry, some of those spherules, not all of them will be cosmic in origin. And that's when you have to then take it to something else, a scanning electron microscope and try and get chemical analyses. And then that is what you can use to prove that it's actually extraterrestrial. You said cathedral. Why, yes. why cathedrals? Why are you interested in the roofs of, of cathedrals? Well, so... Cathedrals are iconic buildings. So one of the primary reasons behind choosing a cathedral for a rooftop 
um, when we want to do these collections is um, because everyone can relate to a cathedral. Most people have been to one. And then, and so, so you instantly get an image in your head and you can relate that. And even if you don't know anything about cosmic dust, most people will know what a cathedral will have been there. So it's having a relatability about the project and then showing you something cool that we've found on that cathedral. But there is also scientific reasons behind going to the cathedrals. So um, the, the first thing is, when we search rooftops, we want a large area. So we want a large rooftop and the cathedrals do have those for us. The other thing is um, that it has to be accessible so we can actually get up there. So a lot of these cathedrals, you can get up there, although they're not generally open to the public. And so that's also an important point because you don't want the rooftops to be constantly disturbed and have the mm. particles just you know, broken down by general footfall. The other reason as well is that cathedrals, because they're such iconic buildings, they have very good records of any work that's been done there. So when we're trying to identify cosmic dust, it's also going to be important for us to understand what activities that we have been doing around those locations have been going on. So has there been welding recently? Has there been some of the rooftops removed and replaced? When we want to work out how much dust is arriving at the surface, we need to know not just the area that we've surveyed and taken dust from, but how long that area has potentially been collecting for. So the ah. cathedrals have those records and they can tell us, right, this roof is this many years old. I see. And then you can get a much better idea of how much of this stuff is landing. In, in yeah. terms of um, technical scientific instruments, is it uh, just a dustpan and brush or do you have more scientific um, material you know, funny to, enough, to collect? Yeah. The first collection we've done, so we've just done one collection at the moment, which is more of a feasibility study, um, which was just to show that you can actually find this dust on there. And so we did that at Canterbury Cathedral um, and we did just use a dustpan and brush. Oh, and it was, really? <laughs> I thought you would say, no, Jonathan, this is a serious scientific ex no, uh, experiment. No, you just I had my marigolds and on and I had my dustpan and brush and so did my my. Um, my uh, collaborator, Matthias van Ginneken. So he's also working on the project with me and he had his marigolds on and his dustpan and brush. And we cleared the roof. Um, but Did I, you find I, anything? I, uh, uh, no, sorry. I, as in, we, uh, we we basically dusted this whole section of roof to collect the, any dust that was there. Yeah, but and, did, you, um, did you find anything? Oh, yes, yes. So in that study, um, we, we, only, we only sampled from one rooftop and it was a very young rooftop. So we and and also there had been quite a lot of um, uh, soldering and other work that had been done very locally uh, recently as well. So we were effectively unknowing it, um, uh, really challenging ourselves with that rooftop. And even with that, um, with those odds against us, as it were, um, Matthias has found uh, six uh, cosmic spherules just in a very quick search of the samples that we took. So, so how do you how do you look through um, a dustpan and brush worth of dust from a roof and uh, to, to find what it sounds like <laughs> needles in a haystack? Yes, yep. So, so the first thing we do when we get back uh, is we wash it because it is filthy. Um, so we we um, we wash the samples and then we use sieves. Um, to separate them into different size fractions. And we focused our, our initial study just on the size fraction that was about a quarter of a millimeter down to about an eighth of a millimeter in size. So small particles, but quite big on the micrometeorite scale. 
Um, and then it's a case of taking your samples and we try and improve our odds by using a magnet to actually separate out particles that have um, magnetic minerals in them because a lot, most of the cosmic dust particles that come down and make these cosmic spheres, they contain magnetic minerals in them. So that helps us just try and improve our odds of finding particles. And then basically optical microscope, looking down it and looking for for spheres and picking them by hand and putting wow. them on a, on a glass slide with some double-sided tape. And then we go down to the scanning electron microscope and we check their chemistry out and their and their textures. And and from that, from using the tunneling microscope and looking at the chemistry, you can see this is definitely not come off the, the welding machine uh, yep. or, or, or um, a broken piece of um, asbestos tile or anything like that. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. So we look for very characteristic textures on the surfaces, which show that it has been a melt droplet that has then quickly cooled and you've got little crystals crystallizing out and you look for characteristic chemistries. And so what can we learn from this cosmic dust, uh, Penny? Like, What is the, the aim once you've gathered all this, what are you hoping to, to answer in terms of questions? So I'm really interested in um, finding out how or if we can tell how um, the abundance, the amount of dust arriving from space, how or if it varies with location. Um, and that's in terms of whether it is actually truly varying, the amount that's coming in, or whether it's varied because you have better ability to collect in one location than another because of, say, weather or the type of building that you've collected off. But then also going back to the actual objects that they come from, we're really interested in trying to see what different types of spherules there are and um, how varied they are in their chemistry um, and trying to link that back to the asteroids that they come from. When you say try to link them back to the asteroids they come from, not not the specific asteroid, right? Or, oh, no. or the area, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> no, that sort of fingerprinting would be very impressive. But, but, <laughs> but generally, how do you match these um, these particles that have um, travelled presumably billions of miles, some of them, uh, and landed on the top of a, a cathedral roof. How do you um, use chemistry to fingerprint what sort of object they may have come from? Is that possible? So with the melted ones, it is difficult, and it's actually something we're trying to investigate. So we would take bulk chemical analyses and then see how they fit with different meteorite types. So they're effectively their cousins, their bigger cousins. And then larger meteorite types, there is work that's going on to try and uh, identify the different types of asteroids that they come from based on their spectral signals. So basically um, obtaining, taking the spectra that come from them and seeing if they match the spectra that you get from asteroids. Very so cool. Like basically signatures and seeing if they match. Well, it sounds like a great project, particularly if you have um, decent weather and it's a it's a, it's a summer <laughs> gig because the weather here in Ireland has been absolutely dreadful. I can guarantee you, if you're looking for cosmic dust in in Dublin, it's in the gutter. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> but it, it's been really interesting speaking with you. Looking forward to hearing what comes of the research, uh, Dr. Penny Barshnikevich. Thanks very much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.